Hello and welcome to Drunk Art Review, the place where everyone from teetotal to blind ass drunk is willing and able to give their honest ass opinions about all forms of art. Um, as it is quarantine time, uh, we're doing a special edition today. <laughs> you have me in the studio and Jenny over the phone. Hi Jenny! Hello. <laughs> I think this is going to go well. You know, I've got got you all set up on the on the on the video call. I can see you. We can see each other. Yeah, I think this is gonna be. <laughs> great. I, I mean, we have already been talking for like an hour already. So yeah, yeah. Don't tell them that. <laughs> Should we go straight into the theme, or I, I kind of feel like we need to talk about the quarantine a little bit, don't you? Yeah, or maybe maybe we should talk about our. Uh recent new ganders on instagram live oh my god yeah (laughs) so like what the last (laughs) since being in quarantine because what we've been in for like three to four it's coming up for four weeks now soon um we've done two live streams (laughs) and the first one lasted about what three hours yeah, Rosie was pretty wrecked. Yeah, and then we we flipped roles the next week, and you got trashed. But no one would have would have thought it. It was only when we were on Not the until the last fifteen <laughs> minutes when it hit me. Yeah, well, you showed me how much. Well, you showed everyone how much uh, alcohol you drunk, and I was just like, wow. <laughs> The thing is, I tell people and I consider myself a complete lightweight and mm. my mother, being the angel that she is, had bought me a new bottle of Amaretto and we were like, yeah, that's fine, that's going to last me ages. And uh, I mean, you know, they're not small bottles and um, I looked at it and I'd just been sitting without realising it was the second half because we split it into two halves for anyone that didn't tune in and check us out. We had a little break in the middle and Rosie had gone in depth into this film we were talking about. It was a controversial <laughs> art episode. It was and quite, I quite heavy. I was just sitting listening, so I was just like, yep, yep, and pouring it without thinking. And then I looked at the bottle and I drank three quarters of a bottle of Amaretto. Oh my God. So really, I should have like kept you talking <laughs> instead of just like had, having my monologue about Saulo, which was like the most depressing film ever. <laughs> that's, that's the thing, because I didn't have my, I wasn't chattering, so I couldn't, you know, my mouth was doing other things. Mm. That sounded wrong. I didn't mean it like that. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, but the thing is, like, that was really great because it, like, stirred up conversation about, you know, uh, what was controversial and why this film was art and all that. And it felt so good, like, having that kind of response with the people who were watching. And, you know, we had those solid, uh, what, like, 8 to 11 viewers, which is pretty good. Yeah, they were checking in with us. Like, <laughs> you, we love you folks. I know. I mean, I mean, it was definitely, like, our mums and my brother and a, a few a few solid people that we don't know, which was quite nice. Um, yes, but a couple of people that we do know. Yeah, yeah. Some people. Shout out Sarah <laughs> and Chloe. And... I know. that's It's so cool, like, having them come in, like, both weeks. Because, yeah, like, I've really been enjoying, like, doing the live streams. And it's also kind of cool because we tend to now on the podcast episodes, we don't, like, hit it really hard unless we're going out afterwards. Yeah. In which case, we hit it hard. And mainly because it means Rosie has less editing to do then, because if there's any <laughs> weird bits, we can just cut them out. Um, it's true. You know, but if we're really drunk when we record a podcast episode, Rosie's got a lot of fixing to do. Um, but on the lives, anything goes. Um, and as you said, it was really cool because in the comments as well, people were then having those conversations, which has inspired our next live, which we won't reveal now, but we'll talk about it more on our Instagram. So keep up, keep your eyes open for that next one because I've got some cool ideas as well that I haven't even told Rosie yet. Oh, um, exciting. Discussions. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think like as soon as we did it, we just knew like, wow, this is so fun. This is so cool. And it means that we get to like, we feel like we're going out because we 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 dress up to do, to do it. And then we just like have a drink and talk about it. And it's just, the response has been really, really fun. Mainly my brother being like, do another hour. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Our biggest like gas man there, like yeah. I know. I love that support, you know, it's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> And I think even after this quarantine is over, when me and Rosie are allowed in the same room, we should yeah. every now and again do a live for me and her together, you know, in the same room, go yeah. live with you guys. I think that's yeah. such a fantastic idea. It's just fun, isn't it? It's just fun having that live interaction with people and getting that that instant feedback, isn't it? Yeah. But, I mean, back to this episode, uh, mm-hmm. our theme is all about Egypt. Oh no, I was just going to quote the actual title of the episode. It's yeah, yeah, no, no, you, you... like an Egyptian. Hey, hold on, do you want to say that again? Because I totally, I talked over you. 
the name of the episode and I'm telling you this because this is very important to me is draw like an Egyptian and when you say it you have to say it with the song in your head walk like an Egyptian mm-hmm. but you're singing draw like an Egyptian and this is why <laughs> it's called that it's fantastic I mean I can't help but uh, you know do the, the the wall drawing dance myself I mean, so. just, just picture me and Rosie in a pub coming up with like themes and titles for the episodes and pissing ourselves laughing because we thought that was the funniest pun ever <laughs> we're we're fantastic at those puns you know when we do come up with them it's just the best thing ever and i love a crap joke so i'm all for it oh yeah we know yeah (laughs) of course you know i always like retell my stories again and again to you and you patiently listen so i love that because i love you oh okay jenny tell me a little bit about egypt i mean i'm gonna go for kind of like just some basic kind of facts here (laughs) So it's just a kind of like a very light covering of Egyptian art in general. It's very generalised, very fly by the seat of your pants kind of thing. So <laughs> ancient Egyptian art, the style as we know it, was first used in about 3000 BC. So the style that we really characterise with that Egyptian style of art was used first then. And you probably know this as well, but much of Egyptian art is kind of focused on their religion. Mm-hmm and pretty much all of it really and um pharaoh so it was always used in kind of like tombs you know i mean egypt was is famous for its egyptian tombs you know the pyramids mm-hmm. and these secret tombs that they find and tombs would be covered with all these um iconography of their gods um and scenes and it was believed it would then help them when they passed into the underworld mm-hmm. uh, and obviously again another place that you would find a lot of that artwork would be in temples and I mean, this, their kind of artwork ranged from all sorts. So it's not just their, you know, paintings that you would see on walls. They would be working on like tiny little sculptures. I mean, think about the actual tombs themselves, the sarcophagus that the, the mummies were in, like they all had to be made. They were so intricate. Mm, but when I you know. read about like the materials that were used in those, um, I mean, it ranged from things like alabaster to ivory, limestone, basalt, wood, gild- wood gilded with gold and solid gold, um, precious metals, precious stones. And they were working in these, like, really, you- you've seen these things in museums. It's fine little details. So you go from, like, the paintings to those. And then you go to these massive, massive statues. I mean, like the Sphinx, for example, which is one of the most famous sculptures in Giza, is over 240 feet long. Wow! <laughs> Just huge. <laughs> like, so the range of Egyptian art in, like, mm. what we would call, I mean, it wasn't primitive because for a society in that time and age, they oh, were no. actually so advanced. They really were. You know? But yeah, so a lot of their, and people, again, people probably are aware of this, a lot of their artwork was really focused on storytelling and their gods and their religion, that type of thing. Um, I've got some other odd facts here, if I can find them. Ooh, I love an odd fact. So just some random things, a lot colours wise, like in their paintings, mostly kind of things like blues, blacks, reds, greens and golds. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was it. <laughs> one that I like. <laughs> so when you think about Egyptian art, we go and look at it today, or this Egyptian art we see today in museums or in Egypt, if you're lucky enough to go, it's so well preserved because of how hot the climate was. Of I mean, course, when you think about, yeah. You think about climates, um, the other artwork is produced and stored in. I mean, think about museums even here in England. They have to be so careful about the preservation process of some of these paintings because we live in a damp country mm-hmm. with, like, damp atmospheres. <laughs> Egypt is so hot and dry. Everything's like, preserved. Yeah, I mean, the thing that the only time... I mean, if they've got a statue outside, for example, that's more likely to be worn and torn because of sandstorms. Oh, yeah, that kind of, like, it's um, it's going to be affected by weathering, isn't it? The thing's sort of inside, but because it's so warm and dry, all these paints that are on the walls, they've just kind of been preserved, really. Mm. And of course, And of course, with some of the tombs and things like that, they've been, you know, sealed. And the, the, the air is the same air that it was when they sealed it in there. So it's just like this perfect, you know, a museum. You know what I mean? It's amazing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest controversy, though, I think, with Egyptian art, and I think with a lot of like that kind of historical thing. I mean, we're talking about people's tombs, so these were dead people. Mm-hmm. And while we want to bring things out and educate, and when the time kind of started, when they started doing that and discovering and really going like tomb hunting and treasure hunting and stuff, it's sad really, the desecration of a lot of these things. I mean, there are lots of mm. um, 
art thieves, plunderers. Um, you know, people were grave robbing. Yeah, plunderers, people that were stealing things to put on the black market. Mm. And I mean, even people that weren't stealing things to put on the black market, they were just going to put them in museums. But when you think about it, it was quite a lot of cultural stuff that was. I mean, that's a whole subject in itself. You know, yeah. taking things historically from one place culture, to another. Yeah. It, you would hope that nowadays it was a lot more respectful than countries talk to each other and they show items to another country and say mm. like, oh, you can have this on an exhibition. But I mean, in those days... It was it was basically finders the keepers. The go wherever they want, they take whatever they want to be like, oh, let's go and stick this in a museum. So, I mean, that is one of like the saddest things about it is the amount of things that were lost, yeah. I think, because of that kind of behaviour. Mm. Um, I mean, we're lucky now that tends to be a bit more regulated obviously there's still a black market but it is yeah it's there, a shame there is I more think. of an ideal ideology of uh, preservation these days um mm. but i think what we also have to remember is that like through a lot of uh, egyptian history a lot of people were just like obliterated from history so much of it so much of their own artwork and things like that were destroyed and then reused into other temples and things like that because they didn't believe in the um the the pharaoh or Whoever. Yeah, I, I mean, it happens in lots of cultures. I mean, think about the um, free, the fresco that you spoke about that was covered up when the oh, Catholic yeah. churches and the Protestant churches went to war with mm -hmm. each other and the medieval church and people were building over things. And it happens throughout history. So the fact that it then happened again and again, so it's <laughs> happened by their own people, yeah. like, you know, pharaohs going to war with mm. each other. And then, like, modern day people are like, oh, I'm just going to nip that sock off because I'm like, you know, whatever, I'll look nice in my dining room. You're just like, oh my God. I know, it's crazy. Well, I think that's a that's a good little um, overview, isn't it? Mm. Well, thanks. I appreciate Th that. Yeah, thank you, Jenny. It, it's like it's like I've done this before. <laughs> I know. How many have we been doing these days? <laughs> How many podcasts? This is episode eleven. Jesus Christ! Well done, us. Bravo. Pat on the back. <laughs> All right then. Um, I guess I'll I'll go into my little story for you. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna also talk a little bit about like carry on from where you were going with like sort of mm -hmm. giving a little bit of an overview as well. What we have to understand about the Egyptian history of art is that there was never a word for artist. Um, what we would call art now was all simply functional back then. Um, like they had words for their incredible statues um, because obviously like the gods resided within them and uh, they had words for tombs because they were decorated floor to ceiling and obviously the tombs they told stories of the deceased's life or sort of the expectations of what they hoped for in the afterlife so art was like instructionary for ancient egypt a lot like you know what you're talking about it being religious and informative and things like that they talked through pictures essentially it was it was a very useful thing for them um, well, I mean, when you think about that, their language, their written language, hieroglyphics, is a very decorative, yeah. um, visual, mm. pictorial kind of language, wasn't it? Yeah, but it, it's so funny because, like, they wouldn't perceive it as being artistic. They would just think of it no. as being incredibly useful and informative. That's just there every day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously, like, um, it's only really now we can see the artistry in it. This was, like, the everyday of the elite. I mean, you didn't have all this for the poor of the nation. <laughs> so it was really just well, for, like, much, the aristocracy. Much like throughout a lot of history. Yeah. You know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even, like, uh, quite re until quite recently, in this country even, there was a lot of, you know, I mean, think, it wasn't all that long ago that children weren't meant, children didn't have to be educated, was it? Yeah. It was just, so, just mental. You know, there was loads up until, you know. Mm. In recent history, in the grand scheme of things, in the last hundred years, really, mm. has it been that children have to go to school? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I mean, there's still a lot of countries where it is like that and only the rich yeah. get it still. But, but even then, it was still kind of set in, wasn't it? Definitely. And also, it's kind of like education for children. We, we realise that now. That's how we progress further. You know, we don't just... If we, if we keep... Um, education for sort of the the, the affluent and the, and the wealthy um we're not going to have as much of a sort of a demographic and wide range of skills you know available so it really just yeah. it just helps us in the future i'm so glad that lord, that's what we what we do now i think lord byron was a quite a promoter of that in his time wasn't he yeah byron was a great one a <laughs> funny one as well <laughs> funny man yeah but i from what I, I've heard, what I know of him, he was, I mean, this is completely off topic, but Byron <laughs> was very much a person that wanted to, because 
England at the time he was around was mm-hmm. speaking all their different like it was almost like there was lots of little languages almost because there were so many different dialects in English yeah they didn't all speak the same dialect and it was all English but it was kind of so and I think it was kind of getting that media like media at the time out to mm-hmm. us. I mean they did it through plays and things like that like Shakespeare yeah um and he was a great believer, I believe, from what I know. Correct me if I'm wrong, podcast listeners, <laughs> stick it in the comments. But um, from what I have heard of him, I think he wanted, like, everybody to be educated because he thought that was the best way for society to progress. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it makes total sense. And I'm so glad that, you know, that's sort of the vision of our society now. You know, we believe mm. that education is the way forward. Carl, we're, we're so good with our opinions, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, well... Now, let's talk about the dude that I'm going to discuss, um, and that's Akhenaten. He was married to Nefertiti, um, and his reign was between 1353 BC and 1336 BC. I always find it so strange that it goes backwards, like on the timeline, like the time kind of yeah. goes up to the BC, the AD, like so bizarre. Anyway, Akhenaten, he changed the religion, completely like transformed the religion of all of ancient Egypt from uh, polytheism I think (laughs) which basically which means um, many male and female pairings of gods for all things you see there was a great respect for balance in ancient Egypt but once Akhenaten became pharaoh he ordained that there would only be one main religion how many times do we hear that (laughs) Um, and this was called Aten that's very which, similar to his name, not that well, he's, you know. Well, that's why he um, uh, transformed his name. It was like five years into his reign, he changed his name from, uh, what was it? <laughs> they say it in The Mummy, oh my god. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get Google to pronounce this for me because I want to pronounce it properly. Pronounce. Yes, we have to assume that's how it's pronounced because surely we're going on... A dead language, aren't we? Yeah. Because we're going from hieroglyphics, so... Okay, hold on. They're going to tell me. Amenhotep. Amenhotep. Amenho! Sorry. <laughs> right, I can start you know, this again. No, Imhotep was the bad guy in the Yeah, moment. this is what I was thinking. <laughs> anyway, okay, so, yeah, he, he changed his name uh, five years into his reign from Amenhotep. 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 My God, Armentep <laughs> to uh, Arkanaten because basically he want he transformed uh, the religion to Arten. I mean, his beliefs was you couldn't see the effects of these false gods, um, and the sun was the only real holy entity which you could see. And um, there's a lot of debate about the fact that he probably got his ideas about religion from his mum, which mm-hmm. is which is quite interesting. Um, but yeah, as you can imagine, the reform of Egyptian religion made many priests and just the general t- public angry because for thousands of years, the Egyptians had worshipped a variety of gods such as Amun, Isis, Horus, Osiris, Osiris that's it, Horus, Horus yeah. and Thoth, um, which is a great name to say, Anubis. Thoth, yeah, yeah, and this changed their way of life. He was kind of well, like a bit many of... great reforms of religion in history. Yeah, he was a bit of a dick, a really, uh, forcing his opinion on all of Egypt. <laughs> and plus, so this also meant that he and Nefertiti were the only two to be blessed by the sun god um, and mm. have that divine connection between the godly realm and earth. So he's a bit self-important. Yeah, yeah. And this raised them above all else, including the idea that they essentially replaced all the previous earthly gods, right? So there wasn't all these various connections between, like, the higher planes um, and Earth to, like, the normal people. It was essentially everything was channeled through them, which was very self-important. So Akhenaten and Nefertiti, they became the male and female gods of recreation of the universe, Mm -hmm. which is a massive ego. Um, they had this idea in, in Egypt that, you know, every day was a, a recreation of the universe. Mm. Um, so essentially they were saying that they, they were the embodiment of it. So anyway, what came next was like this Copper Age Bauhaus movement, and they drastically transformed the way art was created and accepted. Prior to Akhenaten, people were presented with I- ideal faces and perfect bodies, Um, and all painted with the ideal of being functional. 
However, now artists depicted uh, people more with how they really looked, which is how we know that Akhenaten likely had Marfan syndrome, um, which is like the lengthening of connective tissues in the body, making facial features and limbs really long and flexible, because there was a famous statue of him showing these features. You have to look at it because like any of the artwork from that time period is so expressive and it so reflects how people looked. It, it, it kind of, it jumped away from this sort of static beauty into something that was more fluid. Um, and also didn't, didn't they do a program, I can't remember what the program was called, and they looked at some of the pharaohs mm. and they um, it looked at the bodies and they did x-rays and things like that. And did, you know how they do that thing where they then recreate what the person really looked like? Yeah, yeah. And one of the pharaohs, I think, was really deformed. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know which one it was. Maybe it was this one that you're talking about, uh, Mark and Artem. Um, but I remember seeing him, and he was like a hunchback, and his arms were long. And I think that had a lot to do with, because quite often they would marry their sisters I... and brothers and things oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. It, it was kind of this idea of purity, wasn't it? Um, I think it might actually be Arkanatin that you're talking about, because... Um... Very Games of Thrones, you know. Yeah, yeah. People marrying their brothers. <laughs> Um, because his, yeah, I know dragons would have been great. Dragons would have been amazing in ancient Egypt, but yeah, no, I think you might be right because, uh, with the Akhenaten statue that they found, he had really wide hips and really long, um, uh, limbs and a really long face with like really pop, uh, like sensual lips, which was really, uh, different from any sort of, uh, statues that they'd done before. Anyway, the art form was shapely and stylized to reflect people's real features, capturing them, um, capturing life more accurately. Sometimes the male and female features would, would often appear swapped as well, um, with like big bowing hips on a man and strong arms on a, on a female. Um, I just want to say, I've googled Arkanatin. Yeah. And he's got some good cheekbones. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's actually the image that I was going to show you. Because there's just like a really... Oh, there's lots of statues of him. Sorry, I am, I am listening back. So I'm curious to find this other pharaoh that I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah, no, that's fine. Actually, a lot of uh, the sculptures between um, Akhenaten and Nefertiti showed uh, Nefertiti with her arm around him, which, mm. which was incredible because it actually showed that there was like this... The woman having precedence within the uh, family and... and mm. Um, being more of this like matriarchal system which is huge really i just really want to point that out i'm like yeah feminism <laughs> yeah i mean well cleopatra and all that jazz do you oh my god i've got a great little queen of the damn I, I have a great um little fact for you do you know that the cleopatra we know was the seventh of her line right and basically there was hundreds of <laughs> There was like so many people called Cleopatra, Cleopatra, and there were so many people called like the this male version. I think it was like uh, I said it earlier. It was like um, Pleiotept or, and they were all often like married together. So there was just a lot of inbreeding going on. But anyway, back to my story. <laughs> um, yeah, there seems to be a lot of fluidity in this art movement. Um, and it was bold, something I think Akhenaten and Nefertiti wanted to last for a really long time. Because obviously like, they'd made such a massive change with like transforming the religion. They moved um, the capital from Thebes to, Thebes to this new city called Amun-Ra. But basically soon after his death, the Amun-Ra was abandoned. Um, and because Egypt just hadn't adjusted to art, the art and way of life, even after his whole reign which was about like 30 years, which was quite a long time, really. Um, loads of the artwork and sculptures from his reign were destroyed. And even his name was removed from the list of pharaohs because he went against like all the traditional gods. So they just obliterated him. And he was actually sometimes referred to as the enemy. <laughs> so interestingly, mm -hmm. while Rose has been chatting about this, I've been looking up the other pharaoh that I was trying to remember, the one that they thought was disfigured, yeah. which actually turns out to be Tutankhamun. Oh, yeah. I don't know for certain, was likely the son of Arkham Carton. So... Yes, I think I... Ah, oh, this... this seat, and uh, also, originally, Tutankhamun's original name was Tutankhamun. 
yes. which meant living in the image of Artan. So he actually changed his name from Tutankhaten to Tutankhamun, meaning the living image of the created God. So It was to distance he, himself, um, wasn't it, from like the Artan and, faith? And very early in his reign, because um, as a pharaoh, he actually took power between the ages of 8 and 10 Tutankhamun, so yeah. he was a kid. Um, but very early in his um, reign, he actually was one of the ones that reversed all the changes to promote stability. So yeah. there's another random <laughs> fact for you. He was one of the ones that kind of... See, you say that and I, I fucking knew it. Oh, my God. Because I, I watch so many, like, um, Egyptian documentaries. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. Well, that's that. I'm just showing Rosie this recreation of what he was. Yeah. So he had, you know, a leg longer than the other. and mm. He had a flat head as well, didn't he? Yeah, so... It just, anyway, it just sorry, looked like Brandon. a really weird, um, like naked like creepy pasta kind of image yeah, that you were showing me but yeah i mean back to Arkanatan. literally it wasn't until july in 1925 when maurice pillay took an expedition to karnak temple and by chance yeah. found one of the most iconic examples of transformative egyptian art which was yeah. um that giant uh, sculpture with his you know which was huge it was like uh six meters tall i think and they were so making like, himself very godlike he's yeah like yeah there, there were like 30 other different um sculptures as well that were all like that kind mm. of size there and basically he'd just gone uh to preserve the karnak temple from like water damage and then suddenly he finds all these like sculptures and he was like what and yeah um so it could have been buried and remained obliterated from history because, I mean, Egypt was pretty good at doing that, for getting people of, like, precedence. And that's why it's all the more fascinating for us to, like, research now, really. Because they are kind of... Um, it's like rediscovering the people who, at the time, the social climate didn't agree with what they were thinking or what have you. So it's nice, at this point, to look look back at it with more of... Um, investigative eyes i suppose mm. yeah that's that's kind of my little story <laughs> well, no i think it's really interesting that mm. like the style of art change and we've spoken about the importance of social history before yeah. and that's like an example of social history having an effect and a reflection in mm. the art absolutely and it's incredible really because there hadn't been a movement within egyptian art that drastic until he came into power. And then when he died, so much of his artwork was destroyed. Mm. But like bits and pieces obviously were still like resonating within the art of it, even though it kind of fell back into being very static, beautiful, um, idealistic sort of um, imagery. They still mm. had this, they, they, they'd obviously moved forward with, you know, showing more um, of a realistic precedence really with it. So yeah, it's kind of like over time, art for Egypt became more slowly about enjoying how it looked. They still didn't have a word for artist, like, <laughs> yeah. they still believed it to be sort of a functional thing. Um, yeah. But it is, it's fascinating to see sort of that major development within Egyptian yeah. art, just from like one, well, two people really. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> I love it. I love all that history. Oh, I'm so glad I managed to get my notes together. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Last minute, Rosie, as always, you know this by now, folks. I, just, I, love, I love filling my head up with all the stuff on the day. It's just, it's it works for me. But when it doesn't, I get very stressed. And then I accidentally turn my computer off and I hadn't saved my notes. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah, literally as I answered the phone call earlier. The I was like, call, fuck. She was like... <laughs> Because <laughs> like she'd accidentally turned the computer off with her toe. Um, yeah, Ooh, it was it was panic stations. It was yeah. I'm I'm very pleased that our uh, our tech has come so far that it saves things without you even saving it yourself. I'd just like to point out my dog is wagging in her sleep. Oh, you guys can't see this, but uh, she's right behind me on this video call. <laughs> and if you can hear any strange noises, she's also snoring. Oh. Oh, she's so sweet. Anyway, Jenny, I'd love to know your story. Or I always say Sorry. stories. <laughs> I think I just love the idea of like stories behind art. So yeah, regale me something. 
So I would like you to Google an artist called Ala Awad, so you can see who I'm talking about. Okie dokie. All right. So, so his, his name is spelled A L A A. Yeah. And then his surname is A W A G. And then I want you to put mural after okay. it. And just have a look at the images. So I'm asking Rosie. Normally I would show Rosie these images while I was there, but as we're doing it via the computers. Oh wow. These are great. Aren't they fabulous? They're Just amazing. The what you can see. They are, oh, they're so, like, they're so bright and colourful. And I imagine they reflect the colours that would have actually been seen by ancient Egypt, you know? Because obviously, like, so much of the paintwork is, like, faded over time. Mm. But this is so bright and wonderful. Oh, so, luminous, I'd say. So basically, Al Awad is an Egyptian artist. He's a modern Egyptian artist. So we've gone from a historical Egyptian art point of view and we're bringing you right into the future. So he is an Egyptian artist and muralist based in, based <laughs> in Luxor in Egypt. And he's well known for his murals, which he created on the Mohammed Mahmoud Street in Cairo in Egypt in 2012 during the Egyptian Revolution. Um, You've said that word before, haven't you? Is that where the... Um... Uh, the artwork got stolen, like, twice from the same place. Uh, somewhere in Egypt it was, yeah, but I can't remember. I it might have been... Um, I think it was the Mahmoud. Or... But that was the museum, uh, Mahmoud Museum, I think, possibly. Okay, yeah. Oh, I'll have to... Double... Oh, I'm curious now. Let me just walk back <laughs> on my notes quickly. I just remember the word because it was a fascinating, like, word. Oh, was that in a... Oh, I think it was in a different notebook. Was Rangers of the Lost Art an older episode? Yeah, it's not in this notebook, it's in another one. Anyway. <laughs> this is amazing. So, Mohammed, uh, not Mohammed, ugh. Here we go, <laughs> oh, He was well known for his um, murals created on the Mohammed Mahmoud Street in Cairo in the 2012 Egyptian Revolution. And anyone who has kind of like memory of the recent history remembers there was quite a lot of violence mm. um, in the revolution, you know. I think some awful things happened. I don't know all the politics behind it, but, you know, if you're interested, go and have a look at it. Um, so he works in a neophoronic style. Um, neophoronic is based on a revival of Egyptian classical art, and um, it uses more modern techniques and influences in the paintings. Um, but there's a lot of apparent symbolic references derived from Egypt and its rural life in that style. You could absolutely so, see that. It, oh, they, they're amazing, genuinely. So when you, he does he does other work, so he doesn't just do murals, he does other work too, but it's particularly his murals that drew me. And when I Googled it, I looked at it and I was just like, this is literally like a modern interpretation. Yeah. Of the, the style of it, you can see the style of that traditional Egyptian, what you would think of when you say Egyptian art. Mm. But in like this beautiful, modern, fresh way, um, so he paints, he draws, and he creates mosaics as well. Oh, really? Um, as well as doing murals. Um, and he is inspired by a lot of the art from ancient Egypt that is seen in tombs and temples. Mm. There is such a freedom within his, um, illust like his murals too. Like there's so much movement and there's almost like a, there's kind of a little bit of like a cubism, um, Picasso feel mm. to some of it too. Um, yeah, and and actually, uh, there's a piece that I'm looking at which kind of reminds me a little bit of Klimt, actually. I think because... Uh, I, I see what you mean about yeah. the thing. I think because of the, the style of Egyptian drawing is that very 2D, isn't mm. it, when they do the yeah. paintings? It's very 2D, but then blended with the colours that he now uses, like the modern colours, it gives it that real kind of cubist... Yeah, it's yeah. so vibrant. They The, the colours, like, vibrate in front of you. Mm. Does he, he takes a lot. Oh, I was gonna say, does he do? Because um, you can see a lot of like the iconography from Egypt within these murals. Um, does mm. he do um, much sort of in the way of uh, reflecting sort of present day within his murals? Yeah. So he, what I was gonna say next is, was he takes a lot of familiar images that surrounded Egyptians and he's placed them in a different, more contemporary context. Oh, okay. So that's quite a lot of what he does in those murals. So, and just an excerpt of um, something that he's written about himself on his website go check his website out it's like there's some beautiful things <laughs> on there so about himself he says i am proud about it when i was young i saw pictures of tutankhamun 
Nefertari and Nefertiti. They were like treasures for me. Ancient Egypt was a big civilization. I must make people remember this culture, this history, because we can lose it and we can't know our future if we forget our past, which I think is really relevant because of what you were just saying yeah. about how <laughs> the ancient Egyptians themselves yeah. would then wipe out pharaohs <laughs> and parts of their society that they didn't approve of. And so true. The type of artist that he is, he's like trying to make sure that they don't forget their culture and their history. Yeah. It's just this beautiful work. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. There's always such a wonderful thing um, with like revivals of particular types of artwork, especially when it's like in from like deep history, because Mm. there's so much social history within your idea of it as well. So when you have all these new ideas put in with it, it's just more and more layers of understanding and Mm. enjoyment with it. So yeah, I mean, I I love this stuff. I can't believe I've not seen this before. It's amazing. I did wonder if you would know about it. And when I found it, I was so excited because <laughs> I was surprised I'd not heard of him before. And I mean, he's probably massively famous in Egypt and in certain circles. But I'm just like curious why, like, I've never heard about him spoken about by like our art teachers. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Because his artwork is so incredible. You know, you would think that it would be something that they were talking about. Maybe they're talking well, about him now, though. You, you, you would def- hope so. I hope that they talk about him in schools and in colleges now because it's just incredible, mm. his style and how he reflects that historical aspect, but he brings it into this kind of contemporary version of it. It's it's so wonderful to have like young artists reviving things like that because it mm. is such a fresh way to think about it, and it's just... You can see it reflected within his work, honestly. And being so proud of his heritage. Mm, and Yeah. And I think, again, because what I was saying about how, like, a lot of cultures had things stolen in their history, or mm. what we were saying earlier, you know, it would be destroyed at the time, but then it was lost to treasure hunters and thieves. It's nice to have somebody that's like, no, this yeah. is our proud history. Here it is, and here's my version of it, so that we don't forget it. Yeah, um, it's keeping it yeah. at the forefront of people's memory, I think, um, and adding something new. Well, it's and it's good because it is a conversation. You know, it gets people interested. They look at a piece of artwork like that, and they're like, they hear that it's inspired by this thing, so they then go and look at that thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind like, of like um, uh, uh, Chinese whispers of recommendations isn't it it's one to the other jump 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 um and that's kind of how the the trail of uh recommendations happens i think you see one and then that reflects another and you 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 carry on that journey which is oh amazing i'm just i'm so happy these images make me so happy (laughs) there's so much drama to them I will link his website when we do our Instagram post so people can go and check him out itself. Mm-hmm. But um, they can just, if you Google his name, I mean, I spelt it for you guys because that's spell out for Rosie, so you'll <laughs> yeah, be able to yeah. have a Google and see it yourself. I say Google did fill in the rest for me, but I definitely had I, ha- I had to make sure that I spelled it right just with you. But Yeah, and I do hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Again, I believe it's Allah Awad, but if anybody mm. thinks I'm saying it wrong, please correct me so I can <laughs> pronounce it. Yeah, we're not great at pronouncing words. We do try. (laughs) I I try a lot, but I butcher them consistently. Um, I hope people don't take offence to it. I hope they just educate us in the proper (laughs) pronunciation. Yeah. Please educate us. Please. (laughs) And share and talk and ask. Like, all those things are so important to this conversation in drunk art, I think. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. It's been really nice going from like the super historical to like the super modern day and how they're so interconnected at each time. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm so happy. (laughs) This is so great. What a fantastic (laughs) choice, Jenny, honestly. I was really excited about this when I found it. And the thing is, because I do my research quite in advance, I've had this artist written down in this notebook for about two months now. Really? Every time I look at it, I'm just like, I'm so excited to talk about this one. As opposed to me on the day, I'm like, oh my God, my research. (laughs) Stress, stress, stress. (laughs) Yeah, but you're just as excited to talk about things you want to talk about. Oh, I was, yeah. No, I'm... It's so... Oh my God, it's so funny because I I went on a walk. um, Because, you know, our our, our daily walk allowance, I go up and walk in the, the woods near me. And I walk up to this big tree and then I walk back down and it occurred to me, I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to find, find a, um, an Egyptian podcast to listen to about, you know, art history. 
and I found mm. one which was talking. Shout them out. Where? What was it? Well, I'm, I want to support our fellow podcasters. <laughs> the thing is, I'm not sure if I should because, like, it made me laugh so much <laughs> because, like, it started with. Uh, <gasps> And now, ladies and gentlemen, don your turtlenecks and get your wine. We're now going to talk about, like, it was It was the funniest thing. I don't think he was meaning it to be a parody, but I, like, loved it. So I don't, I don't want to say it, because it'll sound like I'm, I'm slating it, but, um, okay. yeah. <laughs> but it was fascinating, and I'm going to listen to the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love it. I just love a toffee, um... Not a top, like a you know, a, a tough sounding podcast. It's just the most hilarious thing ever. It's like, please tell me about the histories and facts about ancient uh, Egypt, please, in your turtleneck. Like, that's all I want to hear. <laughs> I, was, I was by myself, like, laughing out loud, walking uh, down the road. Like, I, it was it was so funny. I'm gonna send it to you later so you can hear. <laughs> Anyway, do you have any recommendations, Jenny? I have two recommendations, and uh, going with everything that's going on in the uh, <laughs> current social climate with our quarantine, I think it's super important that we support small businesses and independents. Absolutely. So I'm going to shout out two different independents because I can, and it's my our podcast, and I can do whatever the fuck I like. <laughs> so. The first one I'm going to shout out is Cliff and Johnson. Oh, who's this? Now, Cliff and Johnson, I am friends with Cliff and Johnson. My friend, Emma Johnson, who I met while I was at university. Oh, yeah. Um, she makes baby and kids goods, and she does custom items. Um, she studied fashion. She does some really lovely stuff. And you can find her on Instagram at CliffXJohnson. Aww. Again, she can be linked when we do our recommended post on Instagram. Um, so that's my first recommendation because support our independence and support your friends because <laughs> you should. Self-promo, make promo. Like, I'm not ashamed to say it, I support my friends. No, you and, should. Uh, that's the way for it. Carry the message on. Yeah, and I mean, like, last podcast episode I support, I was like, Shanice, because, like, she's my tattoo artist <laughs> and she's an awesome illustrator. Like, I support these people, it's great. I've been um, loving the stuff that she's been posting recently, you know, under quarantine, because she's doing more sort of uh, actual illustrations, which have been yeah. beautiful, like pet portraits. They're so oh, lovely. Be- beautiful commission, so another shout-out <laughs> to um, And the second second one I'm going to shout-out is a vintage store, um, which is at... Un- there, 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 there. So, <laughs> it's it's like, so, say it again. So, it's a vintage store, they're called Essential Vintage, um, you can find them on Instagram at essential underscore vintage underscore. And they do some really cool, like, vintage pieces. I've shown them to Rosie before. I know. I love them. a bit of vintage outfit. Oh, I've been going through my wardrobe. Like, I know the kind of clothes I like to wear. And I'm on that course now of, like, just wanting to buy the only... You know what I mean? Like, I was like, I know the look I want to go for. I'm just going to fucking buy them clothes, man. Do it. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> So yeah, they're my two they're my two shout outs, Cliff and Johnson and Essential Vintage. I love it, yeah. Definitely give them a follow. They are very worth it, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mentioned this this to you before, but I honestly think our recommendation <laughs> has to be the mummy. <laughs> and if you don't like the mummy films, then you're wrong, because they are awesome. I know. They're so cheesy. I mean, The Mummy by Steven Steven Summers. Uh, what was it 999? Most amazing. Honestly, like I got I got real uh, stiff for this because I said that I liked the Mummy more than Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I mean it's all about preference, isn't it? It's like I found the Mummy like more fun, more engaging. That doesn't mean you don't like Raiders I of know, the Lost Ark. I know exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean if you if you haven't watched the Mummy. Just, just please do. It's it's such a wonderful, wonderful, like, fun, adventurous, easy, great film to watch. Like, oh, I've watched it's, it, like, a thousand times. It's movie times. fluff. It's movie fluff, but the best kind. Yeah! I mean... Me and Rosie, <laughs> me and Rosie share a mutual love for the mummy. And we, we didn't find this out it. until just now. How has that not been the we, case? How long have we been, like... I've, I've known you since thir- we were 13 or, like, 11 or something, so... <laughs> like, so ridiculous. And we've only now, like... 
Rosie on the verge of 30 and me 30 just realised that we both have this mutual love for the mummy. <laughs> and my dad said to Rosie, have you never heard? Because me and my mum quote the mummy films all yeah, the time. I've just obviously been so blocking that out. <laughs> And like, we quote them constantly. I'm like, have you never heard me and my mum quote it? And she was like, no. And I'm like, well, if it ain't my little buddy bed. <laughs> oh, oh I, I, I love it, man. I thoroughly... Yes, enough, but yes, they're awesome. Go and watch Brendan Fraser be a kick-ass superhero. Oh, and he's so hot. That was such his hot... He was his hot period of time. Uh, from being all like a hairy man to then shaved and then dapper. I am genuinely going to watch The Mummy tonight. <gasps> yes! And how much how much do I love it? I have the DVD <laughs> series and the special edition metal tin. See, uh, and I'm not ashamed of that. I didn't. But, you know, seriously, they're like a movie couple goals. Those two. They really are. All of them, even the evil bad guys, man. Mm. Oh, see, I, I now I know that there's this whole other avenue of like gifts that I can get for you now, like that you'll completely understand. <laughs> Like I wouldn't be able to get like a mummy t-shirt for someone else. Like I'm I'm very pleased about that. Oh. <laughs> oh. One of the best characters in the mummy. Mm-hmm. One of the best characters. Oh. Oh, Dad. oh yeah. He's oh, he... <laughs> oh. I bet you had dreams about him. Oh, my foot is a gorgeous man. Look at all that dark hair. And then the second one, he's got blood. Oh. Yeah. You you love a bit of long hair, don't you? Yeah, I discovered... Again, another thing I've only just realised, Rosie, she's not really a fan of bikes or long hair, and I'm like, I like a hairy man. <laughs> no, I, 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 I like a hairy guy. I like a hairy guy, but I'm not just... I'm just not big on, like, long hair. Because it... I mean, unless it's, like, well-kept, anything's great. But just generally, I like... I like I like short hair. Mm. Look at all those <laughs> Oh, and Jonathan, man. Oh, he's just the best. Oh. <laughs> Rachel Wise. Yeah, um... Yeah, we should end this because I'm going to go watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we've had a good session today. I think this quarantine yeah. episode has gone pretty well. Yeah, we hope you guys enjoy it and it mm -hmm. sounds okay. You know, it's not going to be the same kind of sound that you're used to because mm -hmm. obviously we're normally top quality. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, I mean, we have been lately, but every so often, I don't know what I do to my microphone, and it just doesn't work, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> clearly a, a high-tech whiz here, but um, yeah, no, I think, <laughs> I think this has uh, gone really well, and I think that we'll be able to do another one or two, but hopefully before um, quarantine is done, I reckon we'll do one or two more. Yeah, because we don't know how long it's going to go on for, but we're going to keep bringing you these beautiful things oh, just yeah. as, and so, as often as we can. And definitely some more live streams, because we love those. Yeah, and I won't drink as much on the next one. <laughs> yeah, we'll roll reverse it and I'll be the one who's wankered. Well, I just won't bring the bottle up with me next time. <laughs> well, it was your, your mum who brought it up for you, wasn't it? That was on the... Yeah, so on the first live, guys... <laughs> Um, I was drinking amaretto. This was a different bottle of amaretto. There was only a couple of shots worth left in it, and I finished it. And I said it live on the stream. My mum, who was downstairs, also had our live stream on and spotted that I'd run out of booze. So she just appeared at my bedroom door with this bottle of rum. It was amazing. <laughs> I was just like, well, hello. Hello, um, I love but, that. Um, but last week, um, I just bought the brand new whole bottle up with me and that was the problem I just kept. Yeah, it's because I, I was I was talking and you were just like listening and listening. Although the great you thing know, that- You are just having a conversation with somebody yeah. in the pub and you just keep sipping your drink without realising and it's like before you know it, you're falling off your bed. <laughs> the great thing that my mum did though this time was she brought me up a hot cross bun and it was like the best thing ever because it was Good Friday and I had, I had my uh, pink gin and lemonade and a hot cross bun and it was just sensational. It made and me I very happy. I can't tell you how much fun I had the next morning trying to decipher text messages <laughs> I then sent through that night when I was blind ass drunk. They were great. We did a we did a video call immediately after because I felt like we needed to do a debrief because decompress. Yeah, yeah, because we were in that energy of doing the podcast. Quite abruptly because all of a sudden the time was counting us down. We were like, oh my god, these are recommendations. This is over. And then I was like, I've I've just got to call her back. And then you were just 
instantly wanking. It was so funny. She was rolling around on her bed. She was just like, Rosie, I'm drunk. (laughs) It was great. I loved it. I don't know what the neighbours thought. Nah, they. Yeah, I'm sure they enjoyed just it too. Sending you gobbledygook afterwards. So mm. <laughs> usually when I'm that drunk, she's here to take my phone off of me, and I can't send text messages like that. But tonight, <laughs> I was just like, there we go. That is one of the downfalls of this quarantine. I think we don't have those other people around. Just be like, what are you doing? <laughs> We're just in our bedrooms, like, ah, I'm lost to my own convictions and whatever I'm gonna do, you know? So. Oh god, it's dangerous times. Yeah, and I reckon on that note, we can wrap it up. Yeah, because I think we did a we did a good job. Well, I love that we're blowing our own trumpet here. So, yeah, uh, you've got to. You've got to say how good you do <laughs> you do things. Even yeah. though I definitely butchered a lot of words in that today, so. Five star Yelp review. Yeah. <laughs> By anonymous, unknown. Yeah. <laughs> Gets a little weird at times, but very enjoyable overall. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, uh, thank you for joining us on our quarantine edition of Drunk Art Review. Um, we will be back again um, in a week or two with some new yeah. stuff. Um, and we hope that you guys are staying safe and that you're staying inside and that you're keeping your mental state in a good place too because we know that yeah. being at home can be quite hard especially if you're alone yeah. or not able to you know go out in nature to sort of defrag your system or if you find yourself in one of those situations that's quite difficult with particular people you know if you're stuck don't be frightened to reach out to mental health charities you know if you're struggling with family members yeah. and things like that just reach out reach out to whoever you can mm. and we you can you're that. you're we're always more than happy for people to reach out to us as well we're we're pretty much an open format for conversation so if you want to chat you just send us a dm yeah <laughs> yeah we're so happy that you joined us today um and we'll be back again soon so we'll say goodbye i think yeah see you later guys bye bye